Week three, day two. The people's king, First Samuel. We're going to go ahead and listen to First Samuel 8. It's long, so be prepared. But we're going to listen to First Samuel 8 and First Samuel 16. First Samuel 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants, your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your own town. Okay, so 1 Samuel 8. Next, we're reading 1 Samuel, or listening to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? 
Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor-bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. All right, ladies, so that was 1 Samuel 8 and then 1 Samuel 16. On page 47, the reading says, The book of Ruth and the genealogy that it ends with are preparing us for the book of 1 Samuel. As we transition into this new era, we are introduced to a man named Samuel. We first see the story of his birth and his mother, Hannah, who prayed to the Lord for a child. In chapter 3, Samuel is called by the Lord. We see Samuel as a very transitional character to the transition of us from the period of judges into this new era. Samuel leads the people and he follows the Lord. In this period of time, the people are not as rebellious as they were in judges, but they are not wholly following the Lord either. In 1 Samuel 4-7, through the narrative shifts our focus to the Ark of the Covenant that shed, sheds light on the condition of the hearts of the people. 
The people seem prone to use the ark as a good luck charm. The ark was supposed to represent God going with the people into battle, but it seems the people are more concerned about the victory the ark brings than they were with the presence of God going into battle with them and in life. So often we are prone to want the blessing of God without wanting God himself. And that is exactly what is happening here. May we desire the giver and not just the gifts. It comes as no surprise then that we transition into 1 Samuel 8 where the people demand a king. They want a king and they want him now. They do not want God to be their king and they do not want God to be the one to choose a king. They want to set a ruler up for themselves and just like the other nations. God had sent them apart and called them to be different, but they wanted to be just like the nations that surrounded them. They demanded a king despite Samuel's warning them of God's word spoken in Deuteronomy 17 concerning the dangers of having a king. They persisted and God granted them their sad request. The people chose Saul to be their king. By the world's standards, he seemed like the perfect choice. They thought he had every he was everything they wanted. And though things started out okay, it wasn't long before we see Saul rebelling against God's commands to him. An arrogant and prideful spirit had come along with this ex- ascent to the power. And by chapter 16, we see Samuel was sent by God to anoint a new king. Samuel would anoint David who would be the shepherd king of Israel. But David would not immediately ascend to the throne. The young shepherd would have a long wait until he would take the throne that he had given to him by the Lord. The rest of 1 Samuel shows David on the run from King Saul. Though David was the king that God had chosen for the people, the people were stuck with the king they had chosen for themselves and all the chaos that he brought upon the nation. For David, the end of 1 Samuel shows a time of struggle and uncertainty, but also a time David strengthened his heart to the Lord. David didn't know what God was doing, and he didn't know what it would be. Turn of a page of scripture before he would be anointed king over Judah. The end of 1 Samuel for Saul shows the tragic death of Saul. Even in the chapters of King and Kingdoms, we see the covenant God and his faithfulness, despite so much unfaithfulness from his people. It's the end of page 47. The three questions that go along with this day. Question one. The people demanded a king despite the warnings of Samuel. Read Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20, and record the regulations and warnings that God had given about choosing a king. Question two. From the outward appearance, Saul was a clear choice as king, but God sees things differently than man sees. Read 1 Samuel 16, 7, and write below the difference between how God and man see. Question 3. 1 Samuel shows us the big mess that the people of Israel had caused, and yet God was still working. How does this encourage you to trust God in your circumstances? End of day 2.